All right, we're back, and today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. John Ellers is locked and loaded being on camera, and you guys should be too. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WITHCG, W-I-T-H-C-G at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code with CG. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. On to the episode, baby. Let's go. We'll pressure him all the way back into the Anaheim end. He finds Zegras. A minute 10 to go on the man advantage. Carries across the line, sneaks it into the middle, taken off the skate nicely by McTavish. Klingberg and Terry across the top. Klingberg from the dot. Patient, back to Terry. One-timer from Zegers. He scores! That was a bullet. The Ducks have tied the game. back on the podcast and i've been looking forward to having this gentleman on he's the current television play-by-play announcer for the anaheim ducks on valley sports west and all i've got to say is let's talk about it john allers welcome on the podcast pleasure to be back with you Corey. absolutely happy to have you on so i'm happy we could catch up i want to get right into it you know how have you been how was summer for you what was a day like in your world when you were uh, taking the off season well the off season started around first of july i was fortunate enough to call the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs for Sports USA Radio, the national uh, over-the-air radio carrier of the Stanley Cup playoffs with the league, and that's the second year in a row. It was a little more normal this year um, than the the previous when we were quarantined in Montreal and Tampa, so that that was a good feeling to have, and it was good to see, you know, colleagues and people from around the game. Uh, the normal day in the off season probably involved starting to get ready for this season. Um, as far as buttoning up all the stats, information, biographical stuff I do from year to year on the players. And then, you know, I didn't do that probably as much as I needed to because we get to the start of the season and I'm not ready for every team. But fortunately, they put a schedule out so I can start with who we're going to see first and and catch up as we go. But, uh, you know, took some took some trips with my wife, went up to Mammoth a couple of times. We've got a place up there. Uh, went to Crater Lake, Oregon. Have you been there? Not yet. Not yet. No. Beautiful. Very here, cool. Though. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. If you're an outdoors, outdoorsy type at all, you will enjoy it. Um, and golf. You know, that's that's kind of those are my pastimes. Love it. I'm I'm, I'm heading to Mammoth soon too. Can't wait. The snow's coming. So they're uh, open. It's they're, what they're, is it? First week in November. They're open. That's right. We're ready. Speaking of golf, uh, yesterday you guys took part in the Anaheim Ducks Golf Classic over at Monarch Links, which is five minutes from me, right in my backyard. How did that all go? You know, you're serving a great cause for uh, the well, foundation. It's a great day. We get to spend time with the people who support us, um, you know, probably the most consistently. We've got, you know, sponsorship relationships with, uh, you know, different companies within the Orange County region, within the family, if you will, of, of where we live live 
Uh, some of those relationships have been very long standing, and you don't get a chance to meet those people all the time. Um, you know, I hope the players take the opportunity and take advantage of getting to at least spend a day with some of those people and and get to know them a little bit because those are people that, uh, you know, really go the extra mile to support the organization and support the game, support the team. Uh, unfortunately, we got rained on at the beginning. I uh, got rained on in the middle. Uh, the sun came out for a little while, then the wind came out. It was a, you know, by Southern California standards, it was a day where, I think normally if you were golfing, you'd say, no, I'll wait for a better day. It wasn't a bad day. Uh, I think I caught a little bit of a cold out there, which is a little oh. disappointing. But um, other other than that, it was a great day. We had a great time. Um, lost by a stroke to a team that had both Kent French and Guillet Bear on it. Uh, wow. I think that that's cause for controversy. Um, every other team had one so-called celebrity. Why did they get two? Um, this one, you know, this one may have to go to the powers to be before we get an official ruling. I'm pretty, I'm pretty surprised Frenchie had an okay swing out there. Well, you know, I, I think obviously their team was very strong because Hayward and I always play Gibo and Frenchie and, uh, well, we used to play quite a bit and in the uh, off season, we'd get together and have a little indoor outdoor event where the guys inside the building would play the guys outside the building. And let's just put it this way. The guys inside the building don't have a lot of problems winning that event. <laughs> so for these guys to have won, obviously they had, you know, I think they had a very strong team. I love that. And, and going back to the players, I think it's a good opportunity for the fans to get to know these guys off the ice. You know, it's great for them, right? Yeah, it is. It's, you know, again, a, a situation where you see them let their guard down, they're having fun, they're playing you know, a game that doesn't have nearly as much meaning as the one they play 82 times a year. Uh, they don't do it for a living. None of us do, thankfully. So, you know, we can take it seriously and try to compete. But at the end of the day, there's really nothing on the line but a little, maybe a little added friendship and, you know, an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. Uh, you know, you get an opportunity to meet some of the people that, you know, that, that are in the wheel of the cog in Orange County and are the people, like I said, that support us the most. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity to get to know them. Right. And it's a great, great idea on the organization to put that all together. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. You know, let's get right into it with Anaheim. Um, I was there at the home opener. The guys look great against Seattle. I was impressed by how they played when they came back and got the job done. Got a little bumpy on the road, as you, as you noticed, you were there. Um, but what do you think about the team this year? They won three out of the last five games, which I'm, I'm happy about for you guys. You know, what's your thoughts on the team in the present time? Well, the one thing that they've shown us this season, regardless of whether they might be outmanned or out-talented or, um, you know, maybe up against it on the road, whatever it might be, is there's no quit in this team. You know, the comebacks are – they didn't win last night against Florida, but they have three multi-goal comeback victories already this season. They came from two goals down against Florida yesterday. They tied the game back up. It's, you know, it's 2-2 going into the third. Uh, they get down 4-2, and – Isaac gets a penalty shot. Isaac Lundestrom scores. All of a sudden, there's, you know, two and a half minutes to go. Uh, it's a one-goal game again. You know, they, they, you just can't count them out. Um, unfortunately, on too many occasions, they've gotten behind. Um, you know, they, they, they've struggled to defend as well as they would like, and obviously that's, that's an ongoing process. But they've shown us they can score goals as well. Uh, you know, scored five goals in a loss in Vancouver in what was as crazy a game as you know, I've seen in quite a while. And, you know, there's some positives to build on. When you can score goals and you don't quit, you're never out of a game. And 
you know, the coaching staff is working on a lot of other things. And, and these are growing pain type situations and issues that they're dealing with right now because you've got young players, uh, you know, they're, that are being asked to do a lot. And they're being put in situations and moments in games where if you had a better team, if you had a stronger base when it came to maybe your – your veterans and your leadership and, and guys that, you know, can help bring those guys along. You don't have to thrust them so much into the situations where they, they have to win a faceoff in the defensive zone late in the game, protecting a one goal lead, or, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to check the, the big line at the end of the game sort of a thing, or, or they don't, you know, they're, they're just put in different situations. It's a, it's a trial by fire in some instances, and uh, because of that, I, I think at times you're going to you're going to see them ha having to come back um, and go through some of the things they've gone through. But, you know, when you're working on defensive zone coverages, schemes, those are things that can that can come along over the course of the year. And, and through coaching and practice, I'm sure, you know, we'll see some improvement. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, and we're going to touch on the young talent uh, later on the episode. There's three guys that have uh, stood out to me so far in the year. Trevor Zegers, obviously, Troy Terry, and Max Comtois. He's had a comeback season, I believe. You know, I want you to touch on those guys, but which players do you feel have stood out so far to you in, in the present time? Well, for me, Troy Terry, Troy Terry, and Troy Terry. Um, he's just... I've even said on a couple of occasions to some of my colleagues, it's remarkable to me how far he's come in a year. Now it's, it's been a year and a month since I said, or a, a month since I said that. So, because I'm, I'm looking back at last season and I'm remembering game two of last season, he was a healthy scratch. I believe they, they may have said on the surface and in the moment that he was dealing with an illness, but he admitted to us later in the season, he said, I was a healthy scratch. And he, you know, was kind of reaching a point in his career where a lot of people were wondering if he was if he was going to I wouldn't say live up to the hype, but maybe, uh, you know, if he was going to achieve some of the expectations. And the thing I always used to say to people, uh, the thing I used to to point out about Troy was he's a fifth round draft pick. And I said, you know, since when do you lay such expectations on a fifth round draft pick? Yeah, he he had a burst in college at Denver. He had a great showing at the Olympics. But again, you know, for people to start hanging their hat on a fifth round draft pick when it comes to expectations of young players that are going to come in and make a difference, I thought that was that might have been a little bit of a reach. So here he was, you know, for lack of a better term, just kind of going along. And now he's a healthy scratch early in the season. And you're wondering if there might be some handwriting on the wall. And he just turned it around. And he scores 37 goals, obviously, 67 points, leads the team last year, so that he comes into this season with even more expectations. And as, as Pat Verbeek pointed out when talking about Trevor Zegras during the first day of training camp, he said, you know, it doesn't get easier in this league. It gets harder. And I thought that was a really salient point because now Troy Terry's got a target on his back. Now Troy Terry is the leading scorer and the guy that they talk about in the opposing locker room in the pregame meeting, along with Trevor Zegras. So it should, and I'm sure is harder for both of these guys this year. I'm, I'm not going to undersell Trevor and what he's been able to do. I've been impressed at his, uh, I think, a little bit of change of course and that he's shooting the puck a lot more and his willingness to be the guy to score the goals. He still sees the ice as well as anyone on the team and, and he'll get his fair share of assists, but he's got a terrific shot and he's got a wonderful one-timer and he's the straw that stirs the drink on the power play. So 
his willingness to shoot has impressed me a great deal as well. Uh, but, but going back to Troy Terry, just the way he's playing is different. Uh, when he gets the puck, he's driving the net. He's going into the middle of the ice. He's hanging on to pucks when he doesn't have anything or when he, what he doesn't like or if, if he doesn't see what he wants to see. And, and, and hanging on to the puck to wait and create a chance maybe later. And uh, he's just, to me, been by far the best player for them this season. And, and you know, I, I, I don't think it would have been a stretch for a lot of people, and I heard some people say it, that they were expecting a little bit of a drop-off for Troy this year. And, and if anything, we've seen him take another step, which obviously is the hope. But when you score 37 goals in this, in this league, there's not that many more steps t- to go. Uh, at least, you know, and consistency is the other thing we we talk about in the game all the time with young players and seeing it from Troy, seeing it from Trevor, not only with their ability to to improve and make that step is very encouraging. I agree with you. And I think he's kind of figured out what works for him. The confidence is oozing. And you know what he used to say is I used to give up the puck right away. He's holding the puck now. He's shooting exactly. him, like you said. He's yeah, playing with Ryan Getzloff, I think, had a lot to do with that. And the irony yeah. is Getz, he was a guy who, of course, for 17 years, everybody in the stands at Honda Center was screaming shoot at all the time. But it was a reverence, if you will, from Troy of, you know, this is a Stanley Cup winner. This is a, you know, two-time gold medal winner. This is, you know, a world champion. This is a world junior champion. He just looked at him and said, if I'm going to play on his line, I'm going to defer to him and give him the puck back because he deserves to have it. Troy has a, a great sense of of history within the, you know, my, my short time around him a couple of years, uh, you know, he knows the game. He's a little bit more of a hockey junkie than maybe some of the players are. And so, you know, he knows who everyone is and and he realized he was playing with Ryan Getzloff and, and it may have even gotten in his way. He's admitted that to me. Right. No, I, I hear you. And, you know, you hear about guys like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. I think you could put Troy out with Mitch Marner nowadays. I really do. What do you think about that? Well, I'd love to see Troy uh, uh, attain the numbers that Mitch has attained. Uh, again, yeah. you have to circumstances are different when you play with an Austin Matthews. Sure. You're going to put up 90 some points if you're as good a player as Mitch Marner is. Uh, Troy hasn't been surrounded by quite as much and quite as dynamic of talent as as Mitch has. But that's the beauty of this. I, I think, you know, off the top of my head, I think Troy just turned 25. Right. I mean, yeah, he's spent parts of six seasons with the team now, but you know, he's he's still realistically just getting started. I agree with you. And he's just going to keep getting better, I feel, as the season goes on. You know, I want you to touch on the, obviously, the young talent that's came into the, the team now, but the newest additions too, Kleinberg, Strom, Vetrano, these guys that have come in. I've, I've been impressed by all three so far. You know, I think Ducks fans can get frustrated easily if they see a loss or if they see a young guy you know, mess up or whatever. But you know what? Z and McTavish, these guys, they're just starting. They have, they're not even in their prime years yet. So they have to be patient with those guys as it goes because it's just going to get better with these young guys. What's your thoughts on all that? I'm going to quote Dallas Akins. He's, he's got a lot of good truisms that he throws at us over the course of uh, a season. And he said, you know, that the, the key with young players, especially uh, players like McTavish and Zegris that you're just mentioning is – the organization management and coaching staff has to be patient. The player needs to be urgent. And I think that that kind of sums it up in a nutshell. Everybody wants these guys to make a seamless transition. 
anyone who's been around the game knows it doesn't happen that way. Even players like Connor McDavid, you know, had problems with certain aspects of their game when they were 18, 19, 20 playing against men. That's just a reality. Um, Trevor Zegras is a highly skilled player. I think he's a ways away from being a very good NHL player. He has skill to burn and he's going to end up on highlight reels and you're going to see him on all the highlight shows at the end of the night, you know, periodically throughout the season. That's just who he is. But there are nuances and day-to-day things that he still needs to work on. Uh, He is one of our better offensive driving players. So it puts the coaching staff in a unique situation in that, you know, the only real currency NHL coaches have anymore these days is ice time. And, And sometimes with young players, when they're making mistakes, if they repeatedly make the same mistake, you'll see them sit on the end of the bench for a while. And it's happened with Trevor. It's, you know, it's happened with, with all the young players that the ducks have from time to time. But if the team puts the coaching staff in a situation late in a game, like they did last night in Florida, where they need a goal, it's hard for the coach to sit behind the bench and say, Nope, you're going to keep sitting because you really are one of our better chances to score a goal. So that player goes back over the boards again. And that's, you know, that's, that's a quandary for a coach because you're trying to, set a standard and then the other players are watching and they see, you know, at times that you're not able to withhold that standard or uphold that standard, you know, because Trevor admits, you know, he's made mistakes. He he throws the puck away sometimes in inopportune moments. We've had some shorthanded goals this season that I know he was on the ice for and, and, you know, an errant pass led to the puck going the other way. And I know Dallas has sat him a couple of times over the course of the last two years, but, um, you know, again, the trial by fire that I go back to is when you're going to play the young guys, you almost have to let them go out there and make their mistakes. And as a result, you know, just live with that learning curve. Right. No doubt. I agree with you. You know, there's there's one guy I want to bring up that is a new hire in management this offseason. I've, I've been impressed with what he's done so far. He's not afraid to make a move, I feel like. He's still analyzing the team, trying to put the right pieces to the puzzle together for the organization. That's Pat Verbeek. You know, I, I like the guy, and I want to hear your thoughts uh, on what you think about him. But, you know, what strong characteristics do you think he brings to the table for the organization? You know, what's your expectations going forward so far with how, what you've learned about him? I was fortunate enough preseason to uh, work an event where I got to do an actual Q&A on stage with Pat for probably close to a half an hour. And that's the most time I've spent with Pat. Uh, I've had a couple sit downs with him uh, when he first came aboard last February. And then again, last or, or this preseason, uh, he met with all of the media actually the day after I did the uh, the event with him. And the thing I like about Pat is he's, you know, he's a no nonsense guy. He's a straight shooter. Uh, he keeps his cards pretty close to the vest. I know he has a plan. Um, I don't think he feels he needs to justify it or explain it to everyone. And uh, and I think it's a long term plan. I, I think that as painful as it may be that this year, you know, you, I don't think the fans can expect a big move to be made uh, between now and even the end of the trade deadline. There will be moves that will be made. Indeed, I don't you know, I, I tell people at times they're off to a slow start. But you know what? I don't think there's a cavalry coming either because they're developing the young players. And that's what he's going to he, he's going to do. That's part of his plan. I know for sure. Um you know, he's, I think, I, I wouldn't say content, but I think he knows what these first couple of years may end up being like, and they may not be a, you know, a 
a quick turnaround may not be a Savardian spin turnaround for this team in the standings, but he's drafted some players. He likes, he's going to develop them the way he wants to. Uh, You know, I don't think there's a a great deal of players right now in San Diego that we can expect to get called up this year and uh, get a real long look. I think they've identified the core of the young players and part of, you know, their development in many cases involves them staying at the junior level staying at the American league level once they get to their professional status. And that's what it's going to be, what it is. And we'll see in each off season where they feel they are and what they want to do from a free agency standpoint. You asked me a little while ago about Strom and Petrano and Klingberg. I I think those are significant additions. Uh, Many people question, you know, the longevity of John Klingberg in the black and orange and time will tell on that. But, I like the addition of Frank Petrano. He's a shoot first player, a shoot second player. Uh, We can use more of that, and he's got a very good shot. And Ryan Strom, I think, brings a great deal of of veteran influence into the room, onto the ice. Uh, He's a calming presence, and he's a guy that's been through the the NHL ringer before. He's actually been where this team is right now with the New York Rangers, and they made a pretty meteoric rise in about a three-year span, and found themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and I think that's something that Pat really likes. So when you look at players that Pat obtains and brings in to the organization, whether it be through free agency or through trades, I think there's a lot of characteristics he's looking for, not necessarily just the player on the surface that maybe the fan looks at the stats. Uh, He told me he brought in uh, Dmitry Kulikov to play with Jamie Drysdale specifically. He wanted Jamie to have a veteran you know, a big guy, a, a physical guy. Unfortunately, you know, things have not worked out there because of Jamie's injury, which is which is very unfortunate on many fronts. Um, just a year's development that is probably going to end up being lost for him. But he also mentioned he really liked the idea of John Klingberg coming into play with Cam Fowler. And, you know, there might be a bigger picture there, as, as we've kind of alluded to here. But um, you know, so there's, and I'm not saying there wasn't purpose in the past to, to moves that were made, but there, there almost seems to be always a bigger picture, uh, when you look at these transactions. Right. And, and touching on John Klingberg, I'm not going to compare Chris Pronger to Klingberg. They're not, they're different players, but you know, when, when, when Ducks fans watch Pronger hit the ice, they were so comfortable. They knew really nothing was going to happen that would go wrong. I feel like Klingberg kind of brings that presence. He moves the puck well, he skates well. And on the power play, him and Z really connect really well going back and forth. Klingberg setting up uh, Zegers with any goal that's on the BP. You know, I want to get into leadership. You're talking about Strom and whatnot. Uh, with Getzloff being retired, I feel like there, are, there will be ups and downs throughout the year. And with the downs in the locker room, who do you think, I mean, from what you've learned, who, who's the guy that would step up in leadership to say, hey, boys, we got to get going. This is enough's enough. Who's the player right now that you've learned that is doing that? Well, it's a leadership group, and this seems to be a real trend around the league. I, I mean, we've seen over the years, it's been quite a while now, that many teams will go with the, you know, the three alternate captain route. And, uh, you know, it's even a rotating third A, if you will, like a fourth and a fifth player over the course of a season will wear an A during the course of a game. And it's definitely the case in the Ducks locker room right now. It is Ryan Strom. Uh, it's Cam Fowler for sure. I think it's John Gibson too. I don't know that a lot of people consider that from a goaltender, but to a man, every player talks about 
the competitive nature, even the coaching staff tells you how competitive John Gibson is. And he has almost a flatline personality on the ice. And even when he's off the ice around his teammates and or anyone that can observe him, he seems to be such an even keel and even quiet, I would go so far as to say. Now, part of that might be his willingness to you know, be around the media or to show anything to anyone other than his teammates. But I think for now, it's a leadership uh, group. Adam Henrique is another one. Kevin Shattenkirk is a voice in the locker room uh, as well, for sure. Um, believe it or not, Dmitry Kulikov, he's got 14 years in the league. And I've spoken to him after games, and he seems to kind of stay to the outside of that a little bit. But I, I don't think that, you know, that that he certainly can't be a voice in that room either as a guy who's who's been through the, the NHL you know, wars and day-to-day grinds as well. So, and I, I don't get the feeling in talking to Dallas or to Pat Verbeek that they're in any hurry to name a captain right now um, moving forward, because I think they're trying to identify the core who are going to be the guys that we can move forward with for, let's say five or six years um, contracts, notwithstanding. Uh, I would go so far as to say Troy Terry is a voice in that room as well. He's earned the ability to be that guy. Uh, he's become a real leader over the course of the last year with this team. And I think it's something Troy embraces as well. I think he wants to be not only a guy who affects the game, but he wants to be a guy who's in on the ground floor on the day-to-day dealings of this team. He cares that much. Yeah, no, I could see that. All the names you mentioned, I could see each one of them stepping up to say something. With Gibby, though, you know, he he's kept him the, the team in, in a lot of games. A lot of games he's kept them in. And it's like... You know, he's going to be frustrated at times if he's not getting enough help and good for him to step up. There's one guy we've already touched on, but I want to bring him up, and that's Trevor Zegris. I mean, you've got to watch him in their most recent shootouts. He has so many different gears and speed to get the job done. And in San Jose, he did it twice. You know, what's your thoughts on that? How special is it to watch him from the press box doing everything? That's just amazing. We watch him and warm up when we can because right. that's when he's working on a lot of the things that he will do in a game. And I don't mean, you know, the specials, you know, lacrosse moves, picking up the puck, just what he does with the puck when he has a moment to himself. And you can almost read his mind in the, you know, look, he's thinking about doing this in a game. And it isn't always a super special thing that is going to wow the world. But his hands are so quick. And in a shootout, there's no pressure. There's no back checker. When I, and I think about the goal he scored in overtime against Toronto where he's fending off a back checker as he scores the goal. That just shows not only does this guy have a skill level, but he has a hockey IQ. He knew what was coming. He stuck his leg out. He stuck his hip out. He leans out, and he still makes a tremendous shot. That's a game-winning moment. But you get into a shootout. No one's back checking you. No one's coming from the side. There is no blind side. It's you and the goalie. You can go as slow as you want. You can change speeds. No one's going to knock the puck off your stick. And with his skill set, the Ducks are going to win a lot of shootouts. I agree with you. You know, he he said he used to watch Patty Kane on YouTube. He looks a lot like Patty out yeah, there. No, that's, Doesn't he? That, that's a great comparison. No, no doubt. You know, you already touched on Jamie Drysdale. Let's get right into him real quick. You know, when I look at Jamie, I look at a Drew Doughty, but even better with speed. And it's going to be tough not having him in the lineup for a few months now. You know, how much of an impact is that going to make on the team? And what's your thoughts on Jamie? Well, we've already seen the impact it's had on the team because, it, you know, there's a domino effect in that it affects all the defense pairings. 
you know, whether or not, regardless of what your your inclination is watching the game, players get elevated into roles they weren't in. Uh, players get elevated into a lineup that they weren't in. And from a coaching perspective, coaches are asking players to play different roles that maybe in a perfect world they wouldn't ask them to do. For instance, Cam Fowler's done a lot of penalty killing this year for the Ducks. Um, I'm not saying that that was a huge role for Jamie Drysdale, but just, you know, plugging players into their to proper positions, allowing them to succeed, do what they do best, is what coaches' jobs are. And when you lose a player, you lose, you know, okay, so Jamie was going to play on the second power play. So now you've lost somebody there, um, you know, who was obviously one of your better offensive players because that's who you put on your power play unit. How it affects the team remains to be seen on the, in the big picture. We've already somewhat seen it. He's been out of the lineup for, uh, I think, four, four or five games now. But I worry more about how it affects Jamie Drysdale. To me, that's uh, I alluded to it earlier. It's the year of development at the age of twenty and twenty-one that that he loses. You know, he's this was a big year for him. He was going to play a lot. He played a lot last year, but he was going to play a lot with more experience. And you know, he loses that. And you know, if he comes back late in the season, which I'd be surprised because you know I think of Max Jones, the example there being you know why bring a guy back late in the season if if you're not in a playoff hunt or if you're you know, the player works so hard to get back and all they want to do is play, but the organization has to protect the player from his, from himself. And for instance, let's say four to six months with Jamie was the very end of October 1st of November. So you're looking at four months, best case scenario, that's March. Um, I was hearing probably closer to six months. So that's the end of the season. So Anywhere in between those two, you're, you're in a situation where you might be facing that decision. And that's what I think the Ducks lost, is they lost a year of Jamie Drysdale's development. Right. And I hope that he gets a, a speedy recovery in because they're going to, you know, they're going to miss him. Um, last game, the Ducks just uh, revealed their retro jerseys. Pretty jerseys. They're clean. And I love the orange, black, and gold. How do you like those jerseys? And, and the pants, you got to get used to with the orange. What's your thoughts on all that? The yeah, the orange pant was uh, well, I had seen it in practice. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, it it didn't. I've seen them up close, and they look better up close because they're bright orange. But I think the further away you get, the uh, they look they look a little burnt orange. But I like the sweater. Uh, obviously, the the original logo is is very popular, and the numbers were terrific. I I there was a little bit of a different style. Easy to see, you know, to be completely selfish, that's my job, uh, player identification. And when I can see the numbers, uh, I'm a happy man. Yep, I agree. You know, with the, with the team now, and, you know, it's still early. You know, people can't make a call if they're going to make the postseason yet. It's still early. And if you win enough games, you know, going a little hot streak, you're already in the playoffs. Do you believe this team can squeeze into the playoffs if they, you know, get hot and uh, do the right things? I think they're going to be challenged to do that, Corey. It's uh, it, as I've said, I, I don't see, um, you know, there's not four or five players coming that we've just been waiting and, and dying to see that the concern for me is the depth on defense. Um, it's always a grind in the NHL. And inevitably when I go through and do my uh, review at the end of the season, most teams use a minimum of 10. Some use as many as 13 over the course of a season. Uh, the Ducks started, they broke camp with eight, I think it was. 
Uh, we've seen Colton White get into, I think, a handful of games, maybe three so far. Um, you know, and, and the loss of Josh Mahara on, on waivers to the Florida Panthers even thinned that depth out even more. So when I look down in San Diego, I see um, Ole Ulevi with NHL experience, and that's it. So, you know, the health of the team has to be almost perfect the rest of the way. The Drysdale injury we've discussed is is fairly debilitating to that depth on D. And and I just don't know if they've got enough depth on defense to withstand the, you know, the injuries and the, the day-to-day wear down that an 82-game NHL schedule is. I, I would never say they can't, but I, I do believe it's a challenge. Right. And, and time will tell on that. You know, my big and last question for you uh, today in this episode, um, what's the best part of your job, John? I mean, you're constantly on the road and at home with Hazy, your right hand man. What would you say is the best part of your job over the years of what you've done uh, commentating for the Ducks? Well, the fellowship that you and I, uh, you know, that we share is we're hockey fans. Um, I've said it for years to people that, you know, I get paid to go to hockey games. That's a, that's a pretty good thing. Um, you know, I, I, I put in my work. I, you know, it is, it is a job. Don't get me wrong. I have a routine and there's a way that I prepare for the games, but you know, that and being on the inside and seeing what's happening and what's going on with the team and the direction that, you know, that they're trying to go, uh, the objectives that they're trying to achieve. And then the coaches, you know, we, we have, we have access to the coaches and the players that other people don't have. Um, so oftentimes a lot of that insight, that information that, that I have and that is shared with me comes directly from the coaches at times, even management. And, you know, that's a, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, it's, I love what I do. I get to go to games. I call the games in my own strange way. I feel like I'm part of the game, especially if you're watching it on television. Um, I do have a, a little bit of input on it, but, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than when we don't do a game because then, then you get the feeling of like you're, you're just, you're not part of it. And, and that's, that's a different feeling. So, um, you know, the inclusion we get, we, we have a great game complete with great people. I mean, just it includes great people everywhere I've been, my time in Tampa, my time here, all the teams I was with in the minors along the way. You know, our game is is just interspersed with nothing but great people. And to be included in that in in my own strange little way is, uh, you know, it's a daily dream come true. Whenever you, you live out your passion, it's never a job. So I see what you're doing and I love it. So in conclusion, I want to personally say this. I think you're so damn good at what you do, being the play-by-play TV announcer for the Anaheim Ducks. And, you know, I think all Ducks fans are very spoiled to have you and the organization. So uh, it means a lot that you jumped on today. It was great catching up with you, John. And uh, if I'm ever at the arena seeing the game, I'll throw you a text. Love to see you. At some point. Well, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. Thanks so much. Thanks for letting Diablo have his cameo. Yeah. He's now just he's gone to sleep now. That's all he wanted. So he yep. thanks you very much. And uh, it's it's always a pleasure, Corey. Anytime. Absolutely. Keep going. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, John.